Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, this is Mark, and I want to welcome you back to a very special edition of the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today is the 2nd of January, 2017, and this is going to be part two of the Authority Hacker New Year Starter Series. It's a series of seven podcasts. We're doing one per day, and we're going to be taking you through everything you need to know to get your first profitable authority site up and running. You can find the show notes, links, resources, as well as other details at authorityhacker.com forward slash starter. Now, today's podcast is titled Choosing Your First Niche. As you probably inferred from the title, we're going to be going through a step-by-step process of Surprise, surprise, choosing your first niche. This is arguably one of the most important parts of starting a new authority site and is one of the places I most commonly find people making serious mistakes in. But just before we get started, I wanted to personally invite you to a free training webinar we're doing this Sunday. It's a new webinar with brand new material. We've never run it before. And in it, we're going to reveal the exact techniques Perrin used to turn $2,000 of his own money into an authority site worth over $200,000. So if you're still trying to figure out this authority site thing and need some help, or if you're just thinking of starting another site this year, then please do come along. It's completely free and you can sign up at authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar. The first webinar will be this Sunday on the 8th of January at 9 p.m. London, 5 p.m. New York. And there will also be a second session the following day if that time zone doesn't work for you. So all the details, once again, authorityhacker.com slash webinar. But now let's get started with today's episode. Day two. So today we're talking about choosing your first niche, which is a topic we've kind of touched on before, although not quite. I mean, we, we talked about choosing a niche, but... Specifically, this episode is about choosing your first niche. So I just throw the question out there. How do you go about doing that? (laughs) That's going to be a short podcast. No, it's not. But first of all, I think a lot of people try to go too fast about picking a niche. Like they need to know right now or they get discouraged if they haven't found anything within a couple of hours of work. We have developed a whole process of finding a niche and actually, you know, this part was both Perrin and I working together. But to find, like, to actually find the niche of the site we use in the authority site system, for example, it took us almost a week in looking into different markets and evaluating opportunities, etc. Like, not full time, but like a couple hours a day for a week, essentially. So, I just want to say first, it takes time and it's okay. And it's like, you just need to comprehend so much data and information about different markets. Because if you only look into one, then you really have nothing to compare it against. We're going to get into the specifics of like yeah. the process for selecting a niche in just a little bit. Before that, we're going to go through some of the kind of theory, I guess, behind what makes a good uh, niche. Just overall like niche. principles, you know? But, yeah, sure. Well, I would say as well, the flip side of what you alluded to before is I've heard of people taking, you know, six months to choose a niche. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a question we get a lot is I've tried everything. I've looked everywhere. I just can't find a good niche. But usually they um, say they take six months, but they put like six hours of work into it. 
Yeah, and that, that's Googling what is a good niche and finding some forum post from 2006 about a list of 100 yeah. niches or something like that. Yeah, so it just takes time. And also, like, it won't be perfect. Like, there's no niche that's, like, non-competitive where you can sell items that cost $1,000 where you can build links easily, etc. It's like you're going to have to make compromises, essentially. I just want to say as well, in the UK, we use the word niche, and I think in France as well. Yes. But uh, you guys call it a niche. Is that right, Perrin? It's me specifically, yeah. So one American at least calls it niche. I'm pretty sure it's a yeah. French word, though. It's, yeah, uh, it's you know, in the, actually a niche in French is the house of your dog outside. It's like it's a tiny house, essentially. And that's why a niche is a small market. So it's actually a French word. So, so I'm right. So it's possible to be in the niche niche in France uh, if you're uh, selling dog houses? Pretty much, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so what? Yeah, what are the components of good niche then? Okay, so first thing is there's got to be some room for you as a competitor to elbow your way into the market. That will depend on a lot of factors. Sometimes it depends on your marketing skills. Sometimes it depends on your budget. But in general, what we like to see is niches that have low competition somewhere. So some opportunity for you to break in. And as we talked about in the first episode yesterday. We're mostly talking about competition in Google, but it could mean other things if you have different skills. But one of the prerequisites for starting work in any niche is going to be low competition somewhere. That is your opportunity, right? And the second big thing is that there's got to be stuff to sell. So especially when we are starting niche sites or when we're starting authority sites with sort of a niche site concept, we like to see... An affiliate program, most of the time we're going to start with Amazon if we're new, but there are affiliate programs for basically everything. And we also want to look at like the money flowing around with like advertisers and also products that you could possibly sell. And then a tertiary component to a good niche is going to be interest both for you and for other people. A lot of people find it easier to start websites around their particular interests. I've done both. I've done websites about stuff that were cool that I had no interest in and it was fine. I've also done websites that were about things that I was highly interested in and there's not a huge difference other than it's a lot easier to work on the ones that you're interested in of course. So just to recap, some level of interest, low competition and then also there's got to be stuff to sell. Yeah, I think as well on the, the stuff to sell, there's also from the consumer's end, there has to be a buying intent as well. So in many cases, people are looking to solve a problem, but they just want a quick answer. You know, how do I cook pasta? Uh, you know, it's unlikely you're going to sell them a pasta cooking course. Or maybe you could, I don't know. But they're really looking for that quick answer. You put it in a pan and you boil it. You probably get a, a Google answer box anyway <laughs> on this right. and nobody's going to ever land on your site. Yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, what we're talking about with buying intent as it relates to products anyway, is that you want to be in a niche where you can recommend stuff to people and that and in which people are going to be searching for products. So we're going to talk about, and I don't know if I'm going to spoil it or anything, but one of the niches we're going to talk about later is like outdoors. One of the reasons it's a good one is because there are lots of products where people are searching 
for buying intent keywords. So best camping tent, best travel backpack, that sort of thing. That's one of the things we're going to look for. And if we're doing something maybe outside of Amazon, it's going to be like, you know, Venus factor review or something. But those keywords that show that people are far along in the buying process and they are ready to purchase something, they have their credit card in their hand. That's a component of a good niche. And the golden combination is low competition plus buying intent. Yeah. And what you said as well about doing something which you're passionate about, I think that's really important. We're going to talk again about this tomorrow when we do our podcast about shiny object syndrome and sticking to your guns, sticking to what you're doing. There will for sure come a point when you get demotivated, tired, fed up, or you just flat out hate the site you're working on. And when that comes, if it's a, something you're passionate about and you really believe in and you believe is helping people, it's much easier to to stick with it when you know you really need to. Yeah, and I kind of um, want to point out here too that for a lot of us who start in internet marketing and kind of fall in love with it, the interest becomes doing the actual site building and, and, and marketing. So that's also possible too. And that's sort of the case for me with my sites that, that we're about. I would stuff. say that's the case, but not for your first site. For your first site, you find everything difficult and challenging. So right. it's good that the topic itself is interesting but you know once you get some experience i agree like now i can walk in any niche like it's all the same to me to be honest it's like i just see i don't really write the content or anything like we outsource most of the content at this point and so on except authority hacker although you could argue that outsourcing to you is helping but when you get to that point yeah i think at the beginning you definitely like the online marketing is the challenge you know so if the topic is not then that's good otherwise you're dealing with two challenges Mm. That, I mean, right. that's the way I see it, at least. I was just going to say, this really isn't anything new. Most of the conversations about choosing a niche to get into, the first advice on a lot of places is going to be like, what do you like and what are you good at? So like interest and expertise is usually a good place to start looking if you're not sure. But it's not always the best. Like there is also, like there's a lot of people that don't have like, passions that are monetizable you know like and you know a lot of people when when i receive emails on authority hacker they'd be like oh i like phones can i make a website about phones and my answer is absolutely not like this space is so competitive and you know that's going back to what you said uh, plus you know uh, affiliate commissions tend to be low you probably won't be very successful at it and so usually that kind of stuff works when you have a passion that's kind of like specific and not that common. If you're really into mass market stuff, like stuff that most people are into, like movies and and video games and that kind of stuff, then I would say that I would not recommend to go for it, actually. Just because there are such big sites out there that rank for everything that is going to be... I think, I think another way to look at it is if your passion is an activity, then chances are it's probably going to be quite a good one. But if your passion is an object, such as, you know, a phone, then yeah. maybe not. So yeah. I, know, I mean, like you could say video games an activity, you know? Sure. sure. So, so it's, it's more like if it's something that's really mass market, then you're probably not ready for it yet. That's what, that's okay, what let's look then at the, the types of niche that, that you should consider for your, your first site. Like, how do you break them down? How do you categorize niches? Who should go for it? I'll take it. Okay. The three main categories that we like to sort of lump niches into, or good ones anyway, are passion niches, lifestyle niches, and problem niches. So passion niches are going to be, I like to kind of think of them as hobbies on steroids, you know? So these are going to be like people who like love something a lot. 
So that might be people who have ridden horses all of their life and like that is the thing that they love, right? Or it might be like model train builders, people who like just like when they wake up, that's what they're excited to do. And that's what passions. Lifestyle niches are going to be uh, things that are typically part of someone's identity. So like moms or runners or something where like if you ask someone to describe themselves in like five words, that would be one of them. And the third one is problems. Problems typically aren't as fun, but they tend to have lots of financial opportunity. People are really ready to buy stuff. In yeah, these, they convert these better, you know. They convert better. There's usually lots of products to recommend. Problem niches are stuff where people surprise have problems. They're going to be like dating or like acne or student debt. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Where people have something that they want solved. And the reason they work really well is because when people have problems and they have a pain point, it's very easy to offer them a solution because they want it right now. So passions, lifestyles, and problems are three of the main types of niches that we like to look for because they all tend to have opportunities in which you can do well. Is there any which are more preferable than the others for for a first niche? I like passion better. The reason I like passion better, I mean, passion or lifestyle work both, um, mostly because you can build a community around it and they tend to be more social media friendly. So if you have a site about back pain, you know, how many people share stuff about back pain? Mm-hmm. Not that many. Also, stuff that, uh, stuff that relates to problem tends to have more experts. So like if it's a health problem, like if you're not a doctor, it's complicated to establish yourself as an authority. If it's a financial problem, if you're not an accountant, it's hard to establish yourself as an authority, etc. You know, you could do, for example, once it, like maybe like in that case, like tech problems, like unlocking phones, etc., is a good one. But you need to to be more careful about your angle and your position as an authority in the problem niches. And also, social media is going to be more of a challenge, even though we don't start with that for stage one sites and you know you could keep your site at stage one and if you haven't heard about stage one stage two stage three you should listen to yesterday's podcast so that's why i personally think for a first site i would definitely pick passion or lifestyle better even though all three can work you know yeah let me add on to that real quick too because i think there are a few points or a few other benefits of passion and lifestyle and just first of all they can overlap right so runners would be a good one. That's probably both a passion and a lifestyle. So there's a little bit of gray area here, but passions are like hobbies on steroids. They tend to have the most products to recommend. Yeah. Products to sell, especially Amazon, right? So we're thinking like paintball, astronomy, model trains. There's just thousands of products to recommend in any one of those niches. So The passions, which tend to be kind of like hobbies, tend to have lots and lots of products that you can sell, right? Lifestyle niches tend to be good for info products. The other good thing about passion and lifestyle niches is that they don't have many experts a lot of the times, but they tend to have lots and lots of bloggers. So that means that outreach can be way easier than it would be for something like a problem niche. All right, let's take a practical example here. Let's let's get practical for a second. If someone's listening to this and thinking, okay, that's great, guys, but you still haven't told me how do I, what are the steps that I take? What's the first thing I do? What's the second thing I do in order to determine what my first niche should be? Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll go, I'll run down the process real quick. We break that down a lot more in the authority site system. Like there's a whole module on that. But 
the big picture is first make a list of site of niches that you could imagine yourself working and you know to make that list we recommend you check places like maybe like the demos directory or uh, old top or maybe like subreddit so that kind of stuff you know go around the internet where there are like sites that talk about a lot of topics and that can be a new site as well for example and look at all the different categories they have and usually these categories are niches so that is a way to essentially you know write down a list of niches and you can write like 10 20 30 uh, you can be quite extensive in the list but just like you know if you really can't see yourself working that niche then just don't write it down then what we do is we do a basic brainstorming where we try to eliminate around 70 80 percent of the niches on that list but just doing like basic brainstorming, like, you know, we talked about making in a previous podcast, we talked about the three ways of making money. And we said like, ideally, we try to go for affiliate marketing initially. So one question is, can I sell something? If you can sell something, eliminate that niche. Second question would be something like, hey, is it realistic to rank on Google for some popular terms in that niche? Or is there some too many big sites in that niche? So like, you know, do some Googling for popular keywords in that niche. And, you know, if you see stuff that just seems just way too big for you, then, you know, eliminate that niche. Essentially, like just run these two mainly and eliminate around 70%. There's also a bunch of niches where you'd be like, well, actually, I just can't see myself walking it, right? And so cut them down. You end up with like, you know, three to five niches maybe and usually what we do is we do a second round of short listings through advanced research and so we try to be a little bit more specific like for example instead of just asking like randomly like can we sell products we actually find the products we're going to be able to sell so let's say we pick the paintball one then i'm actually going to go and find you know the types of products people buy so there's like paintball masks and these markers and there's the the gas bottle stuff there is the actual balls themselves that people buy etc there's like pinball grenades as well and stuff like that crazy stuff and so like i'm actually gonna list all of that and usually like i i look at how much they cost and you know etc i also look at the same thing for like info products is there any kind of info product i can affiliate early you know is there is there anything out there that i can sell and then also like i look at if sites run ads and if it's possible to to run advertising essentially i'm like okay can i really make money with that stuff uh, i'll also look a little bit deeper in the seo competition i'm not going to break it down because that's a pretty complicated process but you know i look at it more and i look at like actual keywords i would try to rank for etc so and i try to match the products and the keywords and I find out how I would build links. So I look at the links of the top sites, etc. And based on that, we do a final round of shortlisting. And we have a scoring system and we essentially pick the one that ha- that's called the highest. That's essentially how we do the niche selection in a nutshell. Like we, we break it down way more in your toy site system. Yeah, I think like last time there, there ended up being like a handful which came up roughly similar and you know when you're assessing some of the variables here it's a lot of the numbers you put on it are kind of can be a bit arbitrary so what it came down to for us was the we we had like four or five which were roughly similar and then it's just like all right well which one of these do you want to do like so so that's kind of like adding in the passion or the interest yeah then then it's more personal like the numbers just help you you know, roughly get an idea of the ones you probably should lean towards too, but then it's it's also a personal choice. 
And when we say numbers, I think we're talking about the spreadsheet we use to do Rodnich research, which is available inside the authority site system. But basically, it takes all these factors and it helps you assign values to them and then come up with kind of a score for these for your broad list so that you can start seeing at least which ones you can eliminate and which ones are starting to sort of clump towards the top. Yep. All right. So can you guys give me an example of a good niche then? Well, which uh, fits all these metrics. Perrin spoiled it a bit earlier, so I'll let you go for it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the example we have today is the outdoors niche. And really, you you could break this into any number of like subcategories, right? But outdoors, in general, is a very good niche because it meets basically all of the criteria. So first, there are endless products to sell, not only through Amazon, but through private affiliate programs. There are quite a few in the outdoor space. And a lot of these items are expensive, right? So like camping or kayaks or whatever it is that you're doing outdoors, these are multiple hundreds of dollars, which usually means they're more profitable from an affiliate standpoint. There's also low keyword difficulty, which is the competition in Google that we're looking at. And that mostly stems from just the sheer number of topics and, and subtopics and questions there are in the outdoors niche. It's also easy to create shareable and linkable content because people love the outdoors. So it sort of falls right into the middle of being a passion and a lifestyle niche most of the time. If you're doing outdoors in general, it's going to be probably more of a lifestyle. If you're doing like a subcategory like hiking, it's going to be maybe more of a passion. But it's very easy to create content that you can market and build links, right? There's also an opportunity to become big authorities and that is a function of how big the market is most of the time, right? But we see examples like OutdoorGearLab.com, who is essentially just a massive stage one site. And of course, there are lots of examples of like really big outdoor sites and outdoors blogs out there. I just wanted to say in terms of becoming an authority, what's important as well is like in that niche, there is no diploma of outdoor or something. So you don't need some kind of like official recognition for being an authority, whereas you know, if you were into back pain, if you're not a doctor, it's much harder to be an authority. Or if you wanted to talk about finance, then it's hard if you're not like a financial expert slash accountant, etc. So the reason I like that niche as well is because anyone can become an outdoors authority, whereas it's not the case for every niche. Yeah. And maybe to tack on to that, it's also very easy to curate expertise of other people in that niche because so many people are good at it. So if you type in camping into YouTube or like how to start a fire outside or how to start a fire with sticks or how to build a shelter or whatever, there's just thousands and thousands of videos. So on a website, if you want to create shareable content, you can pull in stuff from everywhere. It's very easy. So the marketing and the engagement and the community building tends to be really easy. So the next part, which I just kind of mentioned is it's easy to build a pretty strongly engaged community. We see this in sites like Survival Life, which is a pretty famous case study. But there are also just like a myriad of hunting and running and kayaking communities on like Facebook or wherever that are huge in their own right. So these are all over the place in the outdoors niche. And then finally, number six, there are always going to be opportunities to branch out with outdoors. That might mean going more into, say, survival and selling a course, or it might be starting an e-commerce store and selling physical products. But 
just a real quick rundown because I know we kind of elaborated on all those points. That would be there's lots of products to sell. There's room in the Google to elbow your way in so there's low competition. It's easy to market your content. You can become a real authority because you don't really need credentials. You can build a community and there are lots of ways to grow. So that's one example of a good niche, but there are, of course, lots of them. Yeah, and something you you mentioned there. So within outdoors, you had these sort of subcategories, essentially camping and whatnot. Why would you pick outdoors and not go for something more specific, like just do a camping niche site? Yeah, for sure. So this is something that comes up a lot and actually comes up a lot in the Authority Hacker group. And this is something that I think people really need to focus on when they're picking a niche. And really, I think the stock answer is that the narrower you go, the more relevance your site will have and the easier it will tend to be to rank, but the harder it will be to grow. So camping might be easier to build an authority site around and start having some success because your site's ultra relevant and you're only writing about that one thing. Google knows you're right. You are a camping website. It's more likely to rank. What I see with general sites, so something like just outdoors, if it's that general and you don't have as high of a relevance score, you're going to need more marketing resources, basically. So yeah. something like like Outdoor Gear Lab, they're a very general site. They have tons of success. They also clearly just pour tons and tons of money into links. So it's a distinction that's important to be made, and it's certainly an important decision when you're choosing a niche. But it's yeah. also possible to go too narrow, right? Sure, yeah. Like if you were only doing... Two-story camping tents. I don't know if that's a thing. But, but. <laughs> I'm just picturing it right now. Yeah, I'm googling it now, guys. <laughs> Probably very low competition. That would be something where, like, yeah, you're kind of limiting yourself. Like, it might not be worth going that narrow. So, you have to decide what your resources are and how big you want your site to be. And it's also worth mentioning that you can expand later, right? As as long as you sort of go maybe one degree more outside of your current relevance. Yeah, that's one of the things we talk about in the authority site system, actually. It's like usually you brand your domain quite broad, but you only develop one or two categories within it. So you can maintain that relevancy for Google at the beginning, but you still have the opportunity to expand later. And, you know, in the case study site, we show this exact example with the way we develop content. All right. So any final words of wisdom for someone choosing their first uh, first niche? Listen to that podcast. I mean, we, we mentioned a lot of these things. That the one thing that you should really do is spend a lot of time looking at different niches because a lot of people, they look into one, then it doesn't really work out, then they wait three months and they say, hey, it's been three months, I'm looking into a niche, etc. You really need like points of comparison. And for that, you need to look at, you know, four or five niches in depth. And, you know, at the beginning, you need a big list as well. So the process outlined is actually... One of the best we found to to make a you know a, a rational choice based on data ish more than like feelings you know yeah and I think maybe one more thing to reiterate is uh, that we kind of skipped over at the beginning is the time so you do need to spend significant time picking a niche however you don't want to spend a whole bunch of time and never take any action. So I know one of the things we like to say is not spend more than a day. I think realistically for the projects I've been starting, it's taken me maybe like a week. But if you've hit a week and you haven't picked a niche and you really want to start doing something in the new year, I would say stop yourself at a week and just pick something and take action. But 
you know, it's a balance like everything else. So spend some time, but set a hard deadline for yourself. Just use the classic, you know, like um, give a couple hundred dollars of yours to a friend and you need to give them your niche. Otherwise, they don't give you the money back at the end of the week. There you go. There yeah, that, I mean, we'll we'll get into the this kind of stuff tomorrow when we talk about sort of shiny object syndrome and something that's something you need to avoid. And I know all three of us are guilty of having done this in the past. Is that in the early days, you know, pick pick a niche, start building a site in that, do all the initial work, and before it kind of properly gets going and is making decent money, you know, we hear of someone making money somewhere else and then we just yeah. drop it and start another one. It's like you need to stick with it until you get to that sort of critical mass to uh, before you're, you're successful. But essentially any niche can work or, or virtually any niche can can work. Guys, just before you go, I want to quickly remind you that we are running a free training webinar. The first one's going to be this Sunday, that's the 8th of January at 9 p.m. London, 5 p.m. New York. And there'll also be one on Monday, the 9th of January at 10 p.m. New York, 8 p.m. West Coast. So whichever time zone works best for you. The title of the webinar is How is the exact techniques Perrin used to turn $2,000 into an authority site worth over $200,000? It's going to be awesome, full of new stuff, new tips and tricks, everything you need to get started. So if you are thinking of starting a new authority site this year, please do come along. You can sign up at authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar. Yep. So guys, thanks for listening. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for the shiny object syndrome. We hope you enjoyed that one. If you haven't listened to the first podcast, we recommend you go back to it and you listen to them in order because they kind of build on each other. And have a good day. Bye. Bye, guys.